right, Pete Giuliano. It is Friday, the 31st of March, 2023. Pete, what numbers that make it? Solder smoke, two, four, five. Crank it in, Robert. Crank it in, Ralph. And let me just say, the local time here is 9.15. It's not 5 a.m. Quite a civilized hour. Pete, I, I am I am befuddled here because sun sunlight is streaming in through the window. Yes. Even on even here on the East Coast, it's it's usually dark in the winter when we're when we're talking. So this is like a, a whole new world yes, for us. I, I managed I, I to really, I, managed to line up the caregivers so someone can take care of the XYL when I'm doing the podcast. Oh man, I, I really appreciate it, Pete. I know it's a it's a it's an extra effort for you, but we and the Solder Smoke listeners are extremely grateful because we get to we get to tap into all that tribal knowledge that you've got yes. locked up there. Yes. All right, we gotta talk about that. First, let's I, I got a little travelogue to start with, Pete, but it's kind of armchair travelogue, armchairs travelogue, because I haven't actually been going anywhere, but it's Cuba. Cuba! Cuba. And I, I blame I blame this on Dean, because Dean has been fooling around with double sideband. Yes. And, you know, I, I built a lot of double sideband rigs over the years, and uh, I just, as he started talking about his 10-meter double sideband rig... I started remembering that there were a couple, I guess you could call them centers of excellence on double sideband when I was getting started. One of them was in Melbourne, Australia. Peter Parker, oh, yeah, Peter. Yankee Echo. He was a big DSB guy. He was like the DSB guru when I was getting started in the whole thing. The other place was Cuba. And it was by necessity that the Cubans were building double sideband rigs. No filters. They had no filters, and they had a very limited supply of spare parts. But the Cubans figured out how to make double sideband rigs out of the parts from old Soviet television sets. Yeah. <laughs> Fitting. And I, pretty good. I mean, it's, it's pretty neat. Now, there were, there were really two versions of the rigs that these guys built. And most of this was taking place like in the 1980s, 1990s time frame. Is this, is this Arnie, Arnie Coro? Arnie Coro was involved in a lot of it, and and you know when when he passed away recently, uh, it's sad to say I think he took a lot of this knowledge with him, and even on the web. I mean he talked about it a lot on his DXers Unlimited program, but for some reason all that stuff is gone. It's kind of hard to find. You can't find like the 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 archive for DXers Unlimited. I maybe it may be out there, but I'm not finding it. So if anybody else has had better luck with that, let me know. But I started digging around, and I was really kind of worried that I couldn't find any of the real details on the... the first, there was a, a tube-type DSB rig for 40 meters called the Islander. And then there later on, it was uh, kind of superseded by a solid-state rig called the Hagway. But I couldn't really find any information on this at all. I was searching, and then Dean said something to me, or somebody said something, and it made me realize, oh, yeah, wait a second, duh, I should do the search in Spanish. Hola! Because if you put, <laughs> Hola. If you put, the, if you put the if you put the English search terms in there, you don't get a whole lot. But as soon as I put in Cuba doble banda lateral, which is double sideband, Boom. It took me to the page of the Cuban Amateur Radio Association. 
And they had a whole page about the Islander, stories about the Islander, people reminiscing about the Islander. I put this all up on the Solder Smoke blog in translated form. But what was the coolest thing about this page was that it had the picture of an actual Islander that had been constructed in Cuba and the operator, Jose, CO6EC. It showed him in front of the rig. It's a neat looking little receipt, little transceiver. And there were all kinds of stories and comments about guys who had used these things over the years. And it was just, it was just great. And um, so I, I wrote to, to Jose and said, wow, this is, it's really cool to see your rigs. Do you have any other information? And he's like, man, it's been 30 years. Um, I, I stopped using the Islander a long time ago. But he has kept parts and schematics and notes, and he's been sending them to me, and I've been putting them up on, on the Sutter Smoke blog. I think it's, it's really interesting to see how other people do it. Also, I mean, the amount of homebrew kind of craftsmanship and inventiveness and making do with what you have it on hand and, and making rigs that can actually make contacts, it's really admirable. So I, I've been... I've been telling Jose about how interesting and admirable I think this stuff is. And we've been putting it up on the Solder Smoke blog. Um, I'll just like to make another appeal. Does, if anybody out there has any additional information about, uh, about these rigs, about how they were made, schematics, pictures, or anything, especially about the Hagway, the solid state version, we don't have much information on that at all, other than that they, they apparently based the design on some stuff that Wes Hayward was publishing at around this time period. So, I, I, but I would really like to see if anybody has, uh, you know, links to or pictures of, send, send, it, send it my way. Send it to, the, uh, to soldersmoke at yahoo.com and we'll, we'll put it up on, on the blog because so, it's really, really interesting, interesting stuff. Cuba. So, Pete, shall I go first? Do, yeah, do yeah, Bill's go, bench first? go, go, All right. go, go. I thought, I thought I would give everybody a, kind of an update on the direct conversion receiver project. We've been talking about this a lot. I think we talked about it in the last podcast. And it's, it's, it's an interesting project, really an interesting project. Um, so the idea was we were going to take a simple double sideband receiver, a, a simple direct conversion receiver for 40 meters, and break it down into its most basic four components. I mean, Far Farhan has always said that really you only need to understand four kinds of circuits, the filter, the oscillator, the mixer, and the amplifier. And so we broke the DC receiver, really following up on, on kind of Wes's original article in, in November 1968, QST, and we developed a, a receiver for 40 that we thought would be really not, I would say, reproducible, it would be a challenge, but it would be reproducible, and uh, and that would would provide kind of a newcomer to home brewing, the opportunity to build something that is really useful. You know, it's it's fun to build a a little oscillator like a Michigan Mighty Might or something like that. It's it's a step beyond that to build a receiver that you can actually listen to people with. So Dean and I and some other members of the Vienna Wireless Club. We're going back and forth on on what circuits to use, what to include. We, we consulted with Farhan. We borrowed a lot of ideas from Farhan. And we came up with this receiver. And, and it's, it's kind of PTO-tuned. 
it's uh, it's got a, a variable inductor with it with a with a big screw in it that you screw out. It's quite barbaric looking, Pete. I know from your SI fifty three fifty one standpoint, this must be <laughs> really brain surgery hideous. with a rusty spoon. <laughs> I know it's brain surgery with a rusty spoon, but we're kind of at rusty spoon level. We did that, and then the um, the 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 bandpass filter we 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 lifted right off of uh, Hans Summer's web web pages. Uh, for the mixer, we went with the diode ring with two trifiller uh, toroids. And for the diplexer, we took it from W7EL from Royal Wellen, from his optimized transceiver from way back from probably around 1986. And then the audio amplifier was was kind of the most challenging board. And there it was a combination, I'd say, of the audio circuitry out of the Herring Aid 5 direct conversion receiver the one that I tried to build but failed <laughs> when I was 16 years old, with elements of Forrest Mims. Uh, he had, a, he had a, uh, an audio amplifier there. The idea was that the audio amplifier would be kept super simple, no automatic gain control, no feedback amplifiers, basically just three bog-simple uh, common emitter uh, amplifiers, amplifiers using two N3904s. The last stage would have a transformer, a 1,000 to 8-ohm transformer to, to go out. And this would keep it really simple. The students would, would have to build three audio amplifiers, but they would be three in a row pretty much identical. So we thought that they would that would be easy. So we, we put this all together, and, and we began presenting it at a local, local high school. And our idea was we weren't going to do this as a kit. We were going to have the students actually build it. They were going to build it on Manhattan boards, we weren't even going to provide them with a bag of parts. So each time we went over to the school, Dean would set up on a table the parts that would be needed to build a receiver. And as the students went through a schematic, they would look at the schematic, and then they would say, okay, we need a 220-ohm resistor and a 0.1 microfarad bypass capacitor. They would go up to Dean and ask for those parts, and Dean would provide them with the parts, and they would go back and put it on the board. You know, they, they went and they, they, um, they created their own Manhattan-style boards using super glue and isolation pads. So it was a real homebrew experience. And, and we were, our, our objective was to do like one board a week. Each week we had two sessions of about two hours each. So we would go in, we'd give a little bit of a, a class about what the circuit was doing. Here's the pitfalls that you might encounter while you're building it. But most of the time would be, okay, now go to your benches and build this thing. And, you know, we were making really remarkable progress. We got the, uh, the RF amplifier, I mean, the, the, uh, the, 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 the VFO done. At that point, the students got the joy of oscillation because it was great fun to see it actually oscillate to produce something. This was, this was sort of a recreation of the Michigan Mighty Might experience, you know. And then the bandpass filter went together pretty easily. The mixer actually went together pretty easily. We used toroidal cores or toroidal transformers that had actually been produced in, in Hyderabad yeah, by... Yeah. By, by Farhan and uh, and his his toroidal transformer operation there with the seamstresses of, of Hyderabad. We told the students, we said, look, it's really good that we're going to use these toroids because when doing so, we're adding soul to the new machine. We're using parts that come from somebody else. And then in the last, the last two sessions we had with them was the board that we think is the most challenging, and that's the, the audio amplifier board. It's got about 14 isolation pads on it, and I think something like 26 components that go into the audio amplifier. 
So we were we, we told the students, it's good that you're taking on the most challenging board at the end because you've gained building experience on all the other boards. And we were really noting a, you know improvement in their in their building skills. They were much more adept at soldering. They were much more adept at getting the components on the board. There was, you know, varying degrees of success with teamwork. So it was going really well. But I'm not sure. We're getting to the point where some of the students have built all four boards. We think there are, there, there's probably about 15, 13 to 15 groups working on this receiver. Um, last week, two groups finished all four boards, but they have not yet gone to the kind of integration stage where you take all four boards, <clears throat> you hook them all together, and you start really testing the, the thing as a receiver as a whole. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a strange thing because as we were getting closer to the end, I think Dean and I were both getting more and more enthusiastic, like, yes, let's get this done. We're on the verge of building, of finishing the receiver. We, we always told the students that they were doing something that much more experienced hams, the vast majority of them, had never even dared to try. They were, they were going to build a workable receiver. So our enthusiasm level was sort of peaking. And I don't know whether, whether we realized that. Now, I might be reading this wrong, but last, the last week or so, I detected that the enthusiasm level on the other side, on the part of the, the school and the students, may actually have been declining, right? So it's been a kind of a, a painful lesson. I hope I'm wrong about this. I think uh, some people are more optimistic. But, you know, a, a sign that things were not going right was, was uh, I think it was, yeah, yesterday, we were supposed to go in and have the session where we would show them how to integrate the boards, take the four boards, put it together. And, wow, I'm sitting here, I'm, I'm actually getting ready. I'm putting all the stuff in the bag, making sure I have all the gear that we need to, to do this particular segment. And the email comes in and they've canceled on us that, for that segment. And, you know, <laughs> okay, these things happen. But they're not going to be able to see us again for a month. Right. Oh, months, months, a long time. So, and not only that, if, if you really want to get it done, you would, you would find a way to, to get it done, to make it happen. And it may be just that there's kind of a, a different kind of sense of priority or maybe we're, maybe I'm given too much importance to finishing the project because that's what we do. We, we, you know, we, we don't like projects that linger for a long time. You'll go on the shame like shelf. To, I know the shelf of shame. We didn't want any on the shelf of shame. And I also, I was going to, I didn't get a chance to do this, but we were, I was going to kind of admonish the students a bit and say, look, don't be that person who almost finished an important school project. Be the person that finished it. All right. Be part of the team that finished it. I mean, we even actually came up with an antenna that they could use, a simple antenna that, that when they took these things home, an antenna that was sort of designed for a second or third floor apartment or townhouse. And so it was, we were really ready to go and then boom, we weren't going. So um, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Um, well, maybe, you know, it may be that we'll find other groups that are, that are more, more interested in this, maybe in other places. I mean, it, the, this, the mod, one of the things that came that good that came out of it is we came out with a very good circuit, a model, that meets the complicate meets the kind of the competing needs for simplicity and usefulness. It's simple enough that it can be done in a relatively short period of time. 
but it's it's useful so that it's an actual workable receiver. I mean, if I were, I've already made a contact with this thing, hardly without even trying. But uh, so it's 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 a useful thing. The other thing, and we'll we'll see. I mean, there may be. I mean, I hope I'm reading this wrong. I hope we do get to to finish these these receivers. But like I said, uh, I've grown skeptical. Okay. Um, it may be that other groups we could find other groups where people are are more interested in in completing the project. I mean, in other places. I mean, I'm going to be spending a good portion of the year in the Dominican Republic, and ironically, in a place where there's almost no resources, no uh, no technical means, no workshops, no lab equipment, you might actually find young people down there who are you know really interested in doing this kind of thing. So because it'd be the only opportunity that, that they have to do something like this, but we'll see. Hey, I just, you know, I don't, I don't mean to grouse and be negative about this, but um, I just, I've been talking about it a lot here on the podcast and on over on the YouTube channel and on the blog. So I, I just sort of felt obligated to kind of point out that there are ups and downs in projects like this. And, and, and there can be a mismatch between the kind of the, the let's get it done aspirations of the instructors and competing goals on the part of the people who are involved in the project. We also have a tendency, I think, Pete, to assume that these young folks are as enthusiastic about radio as we were at that age, right? And that's not necessarily true. It's probably not true at all in most cases. So, uh, and that's that could be a reason for for the mismatch. So we'll see. But you know, I want to just mention this also. We we have, in the course of developing the receiver, uh, made some really interesting. There were some interesting technical lessons there, almost tribal knowledge lessons there. For example, on the audio amplifier, the one that we just took took re- took care of recently, I would build one, Dean would build one, and another member of the club, uh, Mike, would build one, and then we would sort of compare notes, and mine would be working fine. And with the exact same circuit over on workbenches just across town, the amplifier would be taken off like crazy, howling like a banshee. I think Dean might have talked to you about this. Yeah, he did. And we were, we were scratching our heads, and then it occurred to us that that what's going on, what was going on there, was a variation in HFE. All right, so the two transistors in, two in from China. Well, even if they're not from China, even within the same batch, I was testing HFEs when we were doing this, when we started doing it. Some of the transistors in a batch would have HFEs. This is, you know, current collector current versus base current, basically. Basically, the how hot the, the, the transistor is, to put it in kind of <laughs> colloquial terms. But I found HFEs down at like 130. And in the same batch, other, other transistors with HFEs of like 280. Right, one member of the club was measuring HFEs on some of his two N thirty nine oh fours up at three eighty. Right, so you can imagine if if I build a version of the receiver with HFEs at at one hundred and seventy five, and somebody else uses the same circuit and builds it with HFEs at three eighty, <laughs> theirs is much more likely to take I off gained. because they've yeah. got a lot more gain yeah. in there. The other big difference here, and the the, the the here's here's another kind of an important observation. Normally, we wouldn't care about this too much. I mean, this is the first time I've ever really me- measured HFE. HFE was considered kind of irrelevant because we were using feedback amplifiers. And in the feedback amplifiers, as Wes and EMRFD and SSDRA have taught us, 
in the feedback amplifiers, the gain, the gain Flatten. of the stage, the stage gain is set by the feedback yeah. network. It's not set by the device. This makes the devices, this makes the circuits immune. kind of beta independent. Immune. Yeah, and this is super important for manufacturing. If you're going to be making something that's going to be reproduced hundreds or thousands of times, you better make sure that performance is not going to be dependent on <laughs> whatever you, you happen to luck out with in terms of, of beta. So, but, but our circuits were so simple that there weren't any real feedback networks in it at all. And so suddenly beta reared its ugly head. Now remember... Dean and I were talking early in the process, and we actually said we were we were aware of this problem, and we said, "Well, what we should do is before we distribute the um, the, the transistors for the audio amplifier to the students, we should just run them through a test and make sure we come up with a pool of roughly equivalent HFE. Say say a pool of transistors all with an HFE of about 200, and then they will all work similarly, but." You know, it was one of those things where I don't think we even had time to do it, where we just went ahead and you think you're going to do it. You think you're going to have time, but then suddenly you find yourself in the classroom with the students saying, can I have my transistors, please? And boom, off you go. So um, that's what happened. Um, we found that the, the audio amplifier construction was harder than we thought. And this is a good lesson, too. We, uh, Dean and I both, before we would go in and present the circuit to the student, we would build the circuit, you know, a few days before, just to see how long it would take us. And man, I tell you, I, 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 I took a long time to build the audio amplifier. I mean, an hour or more, an hour and a half. And, you know, so I'm thinking the students are going to take a lot longer than that. It's going to be hard. And it, it, it made us kind of cognizant of the difficulty that they were, they were facing. But um, it was good. I mean, we um, the other the other problem we faced, and I think I talked about this earlier, was the band spread problem on the on the uh, the the, uh, the VFO. That was really interesting. I, maybe I'll mention it here. Um, the problem was that to get the VFO to oscillate at the lowest frequency, we needed to put I think like twenty two turns on the coil. But then, because of the characteristics of the screw. <laughs> the rusty spoon as you referred to it this meant that the tuning range was like 6.8 to 7.8 megahertz and we we only needed you know a, a full megahertz but we only needed like 300 kilohertz right so that the thing was that you would you'd be tuning and you'd be turning 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 boom all of a sudden you're at 40 cw one or two turns you're out of 40 cw one or two turns you're out of sideband and boom then you're above the band so the tuning range was was way too tight. It made it, it actually made it hard to to tune. So I was sitting here noodling, as you say, one time, Pete, and I went ahead and um, uh, I I just said, let's split it up. Let's take that inductor and split it up into a fixed inductor, and then a a variable inductor, and that would get me the tuning range that I wanted. So we were able we were able to do that. Um, that was fun. Uh, we we, we, we kind of left that open as a mod that students could do later on if they wanted to, but we'll, we'll see how that goes. And finally, the antenna. You know, one thing I'll mention here, uh, Pete, was um, the, the question was, what kind of antenna should we recommend that these these guys go with? And uh, for a while, the real popular option was the NFED half wave. Give them an NFED half wave. And, you know, they'll just have to come up with the transformer. But here's where you start getting into complexity. 
The unfed half wave on, on 40 meters is about 66 feet long. That's a lot, especially if you're, you're dealing with a population where a lot of people are living in apartments or townhouses, right? Um, the other thing is you need coax. We don't have any coax. You need connectors. You need a, a transformer. And, you know, you just add, you're adding levels of complexity there to a rig that's supposed to be really, really simple. So I said, look, let's, let's just try with a quarter wave, a quarter wave antenna, and a quarter wave counterpoise. So all the student would have to do is take 33 feet of wire directly hooked up to the, to the, to the bandpass filter port, throw it out the window, loop it over a tree branch or the house across the courtyard or whatever, and then come inside and connect the, um, the counterpoise. The counterpoise could be spread out on the floor. It didn't matter. It just it provides, you know, a low impedance path for the other other side of the circuit when that when that that initial coil there is being excited by radio waves coming in from the antenna. You know, it worked like a charm. I I set the thing up. I actually used my son's old bedroom as a simulator because it's on the second floor, and I figured a lot of these students would be way above ground level, so I'd better go up to the second floor. And I put it on this dresser, and I threw the wire out the window. And yeah, I was getting all kinds of signals on um, on 40. It was, it, was, it was good. It was a lot of fun. So um, anyway, that's where we stand on the, uh, on the, on the, on the, uh, the direct conversion project. I think there have been kind of ups and downs, lately more downs, frankly. But we'll see how it turns out. I hope it works out. I would like to see all of them finish it. But And, I, and, and a few weeks ago, I was probably quite optimistic about that but now i don't know and we'll have to see it goes yeah you know i was going to comment uh, one thing bill and, and that is uh, important factor here didn't 30 of them get get their ham tickets yeah they did okay so uh i think some of those guys are going to be interested in getting on the air and that may be because they can get a Bayofang uv35 and they can u- the, use those frequencies right correct with a technician, yeah, they could. With technician yeah. reasons, so right. I think I think once they get on the air, that may be an encouragement. I mean, a few of them, half half a dozen of them, will likely want to get on the air, and that may spur some interest to finish the project. You know, that, that that's an, an important thing. I mean, why would you? Didn't they get the license too, so they could talk to the cubesats that they're building? Right. Yeah, I I think that that was one of the reasons that they did it, and I hope I hope you're right, Pete. We'll we'll have to see. But um, yeah, I mean, it's the 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 receiver that we're building is is in many ways a long way from CubeSats. Yeah. I mean, and and I think that might be one of the one of the problems that we're facing. If if the orientation of the group is more towards uh, you know digital high tech CubeSats, and and here we come, we're talking about an analog discrete component forty meter direct conversion receiver. It's sort of the other end of the technology spectrum now. We've we've said it's it's good to be able to do both and to be able to understand the electronics behind sure. the, uh, the the simple receiver. We've also made the point that you know with the receiver that we're building with them, they can understand the functioning of every single part, every single resistor, capacitor, coil, transistor, you name it, even the brass screw. Um, you can understand that it's it's all very very understandable, and you really can't say the same thing about a lot of the digital technology that goes into a CubeSat. But again, if, you, if your orientation is towards the CubeSat, you, you might find what we're doing sort of 
old-fashioned and kind of outmoded, and you might be less enthusiastic about it. So <clears throat> there we are, and we'll we'll have to see see how how this goes. We'll 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 see. I mean, they you know ha- having the session canceled like that was not good news. It was not it was not a good sign. What are they, are there midterms right now or something like that taking place? The spring break spring, spring break is coming up. Okay, so maybe that's mm-hmm. it. I don't know. Uh, yeah, something. something I, like I can only share with you. Uh, I was licensed at, at about their age, seventeen. I was licensed at seventeen, and it was cycle nineteen, nineteen fifty nine. And I got to tell you, Bill, it was a real, real complex issue with me. Girls are chasing DX. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the girls want out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that that's 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 a part of it. It's kind of normal, kind of teenage stuff. But the other thing I, I was thinking about this too, Pete. I I got my license a little bit earlier. I got my license when I was fourteen, and okay, I was really interested in it. I was interested in, in girls too. <laughs> Maybe because I wasn't so successful there, I got more interested in radio. But uh, <laughs> um, but here's the thing I was thinking about. You know, in my high school, how many ham radio operators were there? Just me, right? So, and yours too, right? Yeah. Yeah. You see, so we we have a tendency to kind of idealize the good old days and think, oh, well, this was a time when there were just so much interest and so much. In my high school, I had a you know big high school in suburban New York. I was probably the only one, you know. So. To think that there's going to be a large group at this high school that's going to share that kind of interest, they might be interested in other things, right? But, you know, maybe maybe we should have looked at that in the beginning. Maybe we should have said, are you guys really interested in doing, do you really want to do this or or not? And it, if you say no, fine, then okay, we'll go someplace else. We'll, we'll see how it works out. Anyway, that we've got to, we're, we're on, um, with this kind of behind us now, it's, it's a chance to work on other things. So I'm back to working on my micro bidex, which you might be able to see there. For those of you who are viewing, the micro bidex is over there. And I think, Pete, the last time I was telling you that I was chickening out on changing that yes. BFR-106 chip. Because it was so small. I looked at that thing. I could barely see it on the board. I said, man, I'm gonna, how am I going to change that thing? So I almost chickened out. But then I think I heard you and Dwayne talking about the fact that Todd... Our buddy out there in Portland, K7TFC, with his mostly DIYRF.com company, just at the same time is putting BFR-106 transistors on little tiny boards. It's almost like the radio gods have spoken. They were saying to me, you got to you know, do this thing, change this. So I wrote to Todd, and he put a bunch of them in the envelope and sent them to me. And so... I, that, that's what I was doing this morning, freed up with, with more time available now that I'm not worried about the direct conversion receiver anymore. I, I actually put in the, the BFR-106 this morning. But you know what? Power out's still not, not quite where it should be. Mm. It's still down around 4 watts on 10 meters. Mm. And I, you know, I don't know why. I don't know why. I've done, now I've done absolutely everything that Allison recommended. But I think she was talking about getting 10 watts out on, on, on 10 meters. Now, okay, I mean, that's not a big deal. I mean, it's like, it's 3 dB. It's half an S unit, right? 
four dB, something like that. But still, I'm wondering why is it that that some people are reporting they get 10 watts out, and I'm still at the four watts. Now this is a lot better than what I was getting when I was in the Dominican well, Republic watt, without any eh? of these mods. Last I was getting like 600 milliwatts. <laughs> so this is a big change. But still, I mean, one of the goals of the project was to flatten the output across the HF bands. But no, it's not really happening because my output down on 40 meters is now big. I, Farhan, I think, recommended taking out some of the feedback capacitors around the IRF 510s. But I haven't tried that yet. But I might give that a go next time. I'm, I'm one, one of the things with these surface mount things, Pete, I'm afraid to make changes. It's like I'm becoming a, almost like an appliance operator. I'm afraid to make changes because if I take that little resistor off the board, getting it back on, it could just disappear in the in the uh, you know the quantum soup here in the room. All of a sudden, look, boop, it just gone. It, don't look, it just jumped. It, it jumps and it, it jumps, or if you sneeze, you you might inhale it on the way in or something like that. It could be bad. So I don't know. We'll have to see. I bought a special solder sucking tool, though, Pete. It's like a regular soldering iron, but with one of those spring loaded solder smokes uh, smokes solder suckers in there. So if I ever take on another. Ubitx board, I'll, I'll fire up at that thing. But um, one more thing I'm going to add before we get to shameless commerce and your bench. Um, a, a big success at the on the Hamfest front. Oh, you leaders, guys, un- you cleaned up. Winter, Winterfest, my friend. Winterfest came under the leadership of our good friend Dean, KK4DAS, He's the president of the Vienna Wireless Club, and this is their big ham fest. And they, we, they had a new venue this year, local high school. And, uh, man, it was really well attended. I, I was only there for about an hour on Sunday morning on the 19th. But, wow, I, 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 I really came away with a haul. Listen to what I got. I got a receiver. It was marked on the outside, 40-meter receiver, obviously home brew. I didn't have a screwdriver, so we couldn't open it up, but I just said, okay, sight unseen. It's like, what, 10 bucks? I'll, I'll take it. Brought it home. Opened it up. As soon as I opened it up, I knew it was a Herring Aid 5. Oh, man. The, hand, <laughs> the radio gods. Again. The radio gods. The radio gods have spoken. And the reason I knew was I looked at the, uh, the PC board pattern. The guy who built it had obviously used the same PC board pattern that came with the QST article. And there's this very weird oval shape. <laughs> It's shaped like an oval, right? Because it was supposed to fit on the top of a herring aid, herring, a can of herring. That's <laughs> the her- herring aid five, five transistors. But I got it. Pete, I fired it up and it worked. Oh. This, I couldn't get mine to work, but this guy got it to work. There it was. You, you, the, 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 one of the selling points was that you could get all the parts at Radio Shack. Yeah. So I, I picked that up. I got a Simpson 260 meter with a real needle that goes up and down, up and down, a Simpson 260. I got it for 15 bucks. You know, they're still making these things? Yeah. They're hundreds uh, of dollars. Out in Wisconsin, 500 yeah. bucks they're selling them for. Yeah. Apparently, they're being made by, the, by an outfit that's owned by the Chippewa tribe out there. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, I got mine. Picked up another QF1, Q multiplier. Oh. I know. Uh, Pete's cringing, you know, but you know, I only did it for one reason, because I knew that Dean was going to be coming by there shortly after I left, right? Because I was going to be in early, he was going to be in a little bit later. And I said to myself, if I don't pick up this QF1, Dean is going to take it. <laughs> and Dean is probably going to take it apart, just like I did with all the others that I had. 
But this one I'm going to keep. I'm, I'm going to be a good boat anchor citizen, and I'm not going to chop this put thing it, up like I did Put it in a glass cage. Uh, it, it's, it's now, it's an antique. Yes. It's, it's, yes. It, it's, it's a classic. It's probably worth about 600 bucks on eBay. Could, could be. <laughs> anyway, I got it. I had to clean off. It had a really thick coat of nicotine on it. It was kind of scary. You just think, holy cow. It, it took a lot of Formula 404 to get the, the nicotine off of this thing. Woo. Not, not good. Uh, what else did I get? Um, uh, I got another Radio Shack d digital multimeter. I bought this first one about 25 years ago and is now starting to physically deteriorate. But here was another one just sitting there, almost like pristine, out of the box. Boom. So I got that one. I picked up Eamon Skelton's Homebrew Cookbook. Oh, nice book. Yes. It's a nice book. He, he's got one like Building a Transceiver, but he's got another one called The Homebrew Cookbook. I've got them both. They're both really nice. Good, good job there, Eamon. Thanks for that. Picked up some knobs and an old... SWR meter. Pete, I think we should go to Shameless Commerce Division. Yes. Thing before we go to your bench. Yes. All right, I, I already mentioned it. I mentioned Todd's mostly DIY RF and his BFR 106 boards. Many other boards. AB, A, A, ADE1 boards, TIA boards, Filters. AGC boards, high-cast amplifiers, boards, all kinds of great stuff out there. And it, it's really worth taking a look at. So please visit his site. You can get to it just by on the right-hand column in the Solder Smoke blog. You'll see the logo there, MostlyDIYRF.com. Just click on that. Or you could just go to MostlyDIYRF, all one word, .com on the internet. It'll take you It'll take you right there. But I think he's got some great stuff. Oh, he does. Anything. And he's got some stuff in the queue that hasn't been advertised yet that I'm privy to. <clears throat> Man, get, get, get in there, fellas. I'm telling you. Guys and gals, it's 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 a place to be. It's it's a place to visit. Pete, we're going to talk about your bench. Oh, but wait, wait, wait a second. I got to make a technical note from two forty four. This was surprising. Let me tell you guys what happened. You know, Pete Pete has had some technical difficulties, and his his uh, his schedule is really limited. So when when there's a technical problem, I'm I'm really reluctant to go back to Pete and say, "Hey, we need to do it again." We have done this yes, before yes, in the past. Yes, we, we have. have done completely redone the podcast, and I, I just I'm not going to do that anymore. But we last time when we were doing 244, the last podcast, I finished the whole thing, and I was sitting here getting ready to set it up, and there's like a big gap. It's like a it's like a front tooth missing here in the thing. It's, it, when you were talking about some important stuff, and I, I felt so bad about it. I, I just said, "Look, I can't let the podcast go like this because it's obvious. It's like boom, it's a blank. It's an important segment. I'm sorry, it's a blank. It, it, it was just boom, a hole there. So I was, I was really agonizing over this, and I said, "Well, uh, maybe, maybe I just won't put this one out. Maybe we'll just skip this one." And I was talking to our good friend, Dean, KK4DAS. People might not realize that Dean has a really high-speed, what we would call in the Army, a high-speed, low-drag background. He is an expert on artificial intelligence, and he was the expert on artificial intelligence for the intelligence community. I find myself even reluctant to say those words, but we'll just that's stop where there. he was. He we'll and I worked stop. at the we'll, same place. Yeah, we'll just stop there, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough said. But but listen, if you if you doubt what we're saying about his his uh, his chops, his street cred in this area, you could just uh, you could just Google him. You could go to the PotomacOfficersClub.com 
and then, or you could just search under Dean and his last name, Suleles, S-O-U-L-E-L-E-S. I say that again, S-O-U-L-E-L-E-S, Suleles. And you will, you'll be, you'll see that Dean is a no fooling around expert on all this kind of stuff. So I was talking to him and we, we talked quite frequently because of the, the, the DC receiver project. And I just said to him, I said, man, I, I lost somehow Skype or, or what, or quantum necromancy as, as Rocky used to say, something ate a good portion of Pete's intervention in the last podcast. And I might have to scrap the whole thing. And he said to me, no, you don't. We'll get it back. I said, what do you mean you get it back? It's not anywhere on the net. It, it's gone. He, we, didn't, we didn't upload it. He says, it doesn't matter. He said, let me, let me take a look at it, and I'll work with it. Damn it. You know, he, he did it. He came up. He worked with an AI program similar to ChatGPT. We've all been hearing about AI and ChatGPT. And he also worked with some software that he has that produces video versions of it, kind of deep fake videos. And what, what the systems do is they study other videos of you and other audio of you, and they know what you talk about. And Dean was able to fill the gaps. That is scary. <laughs> it is really wild. It is really something. So he sent it to me. I, I sent him the kind of the messed up video and, he, and audio, and he sent the files back a few days later, and it was like, Done. <laughs> yeah. No more gaps. Yeah. Pete, you were you were brilliant. I'm telling you. <laughs> but here's the thing. I I know where to look, and you know where yeah. to look. So we can look and we can see it, right? You can, we can notice little things, right? But here's the challenge to the listeners: go go ahead and take a look at 244 or listen to 244, and see if you can find the short segment where it's not really Pete. <laughs> <laughs> where it's like it's pete gpt yeah yeah there you go pete gpt ai pete check it out and listen send it send me an email with if you could find the, the time, segment the time, the time the time the time the time the time blocks the time stamps you know from this minute yeah. to this minute tell me what it is and whoever gets me the answer the correct answer first wins a prize yes but pete this even opens up more exciting possibilities i'm thinking about doing this regularly yeah Cool, I, and I could I could like I could I could change things around anywhere I want. I'm thinking about a special segment in which Pete Giuliano badmouths the SI fifty three fifty one. No, 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 no. And suddenly, and suddenly recognizes the inherent superiority of analog discrete component VFOs. Yeah, 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 there you go. No, no, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. I, w I wouldn't do that. I'm ethically bound not to do that. But this was a really interesting episode so again find the find the segment and then shoot us an email let us know it'll be really interesting and thanks to dean for for taking yeah, care of this for scary. us what do you got on your bench pete i know you've been busy but you got that tr7 sitting yeah, there behind you. yeah nice hey first i want to mention my my blog uh hamradiogenius.blogspot.com and at the front end of that is a link to another podcast that i did that i was a guest i was a guest guest just on this podcast and it's actually my daughter and sort of like what we're doing with amateur radio she's doing with the music business 
she has quite a few clients and she's trying to advise, especially one new clients that are just getting started in the business, some of the things you need to do. Sort of like we tell people, build a Michigan Mighty Might. Think about yeah. a direct conversion receiver. Because some of these guys want to go right from the garage to, to being a headliner in Vegas. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, uh, I want to get into home brewing. I want to build a single sideband transceiver, five bands, you know, all modes, SDR. And, and you can't do that. you got to take the steps. Anyway, she interviewed me, and it was kind of uh, kind of fascinating ask, asking about the music business. So you might, if you're interested in seeing another side of Pete, aside from radio, you might see my my views on the music business. And if you go to the the blog, there's a right at the front end. There's a link you can see that, and so it's uh, kind of interesting. Hear my hear my daughter quiz me about the music business. You know, Peter, I listened to the I listened to the, the podcast, the Genius Podcast, and it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed it, and it was so cool to hear you talk about other stuff. I mean, it's cool to hear you talk about our stuff, but it was like another view of Pete Giuliano, especially the comments about about music and the music business, and the music changes that you have lived through what really blew me away was the concert what was the concert in la that you and your wife went to oh ago? the doors that? you went to the pete giuliano <laughs> went to a doors concert in la yeah. holy cow la woman and all yeah, that yeah, wow yeah. all right so that, that that was beautiful i liked it you know I, I told you pete that the way that you wrapped it up gina did a good job as the, as the podcast interviewer but the last thing she said was can you give us advice, any words to live by? All right. And this gets to kind of a more basic level of tribal knowledge. This is words to live by kind of knowledge. And you thought about it for a second. I could tell you gave it some thought. And then you said, yeah, two things. And these are important things to do. And you, I think you were talking in the professional context, but it applies to the personal context too. You said, always tell the truth and always do the right thing. And if you do, if you follow those two rules, You'll never, yeah. you'll never go wrong. Yeah. And I just said, I said, you know, I was reminded. I said, I can, I can remember early in high school where a teacher was explaining to us the meaning of the word integrity, right? and that's it. What you just said. So, I, I really liked the interview, and I hope, I hope people will, uh, will, 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 will listen in. It's, it's really very nice. Well, she got some interesting feedback. I mentioned about the first uh, concert I went to in my little town. And the, and the name, uh, the the, the uh, headlining group was the Fleetwoods. And I mentioned it kind of right in the middle of the set. The the girl, there's two girls and a guy. The girl collapses on stage. She had to have an emergency appendectomy in my little hometown. I mean, this is huge news. You know, big big entertainment star has appendectomy <laughs> in this little town. You know, so it was kind of a huge thing. So I mentioned the name of the group. And one of her, one of the guys that she deals with said, he had to look up the Fleetwoods. He said, "Yeah, they're really a group." Well, of course they were. <laughs> you know. But anyway, what's uh, what's on my bench? A whole potpourri. And then, and I'd like to link in um, what's currently on the blog and, and Todd. Uh, one of the things I'm doing is I'm working on a 10 meter single sideband transceiver, and what I've tried to do is incorporate the the modules that Todd is selling into the sideband transceiver. So there's a there's one block diagram there that shows you here's the block, here's the block that you can get from Todd. So I hope to uh, hope to build this thing and we've provided a lot of documentation like the BFR 106. There's a lot of LT spice simulations showing what that thing can do. So I'm I'm kind of excited about actually building the hardware. 
And so uh, uh, right along here, we're getting to the point where we're actually going to start mounting BFR 106s to circuit boards. So get out your magnifying glass. <laughs> I have them. He sent me a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Little tiny yeah, ones. Yeah, nice. I think I got the prototypes. Yeah, nice. Really cool. Yeah. So that's that's current activity. And some things happen sometimes that you can't quite understand. And and here's what happened. I had uh, took out one of my uh, one of my tube type radios, and I said, you know, I think one of the six BA sixes is going south. It seemed to lose sensitivity. It's one in the RF amp stage. And I looked around and I said, gee, I don't have any six BA sixes. So I said, uh, what am I going to do? So I said, well, let's take a chance. I went to eBay, and there's this guy selling 15, 15 pieces of 6BA6, tested and supposedly good, for $2.68. <laughs> 15 tubes for $2.68. <laughs> and the shipping brought me up to $9. $9 total for, for 15 tubes plus the shipping. I said, you know, even if I got one or two tubes out of the 15, nine bucks is still ahead of the game, including shipping from, from where you can buy it at other sources. Well, the 15 <laughs> tubes show up, and I tested them. They're all good. A couple, there's two new in box in there. I don't, I don't know what this guy was doing. I, I hope he realized what he was doing. The 15, 6BA6. Don't, don't tell him. <laughs> so, so anyway, the thought crossed my mind about a project that I worked on uh, a long, long time ago, and this all goes back to the Germans and German engineering during World War II. And I read this article in CQ about how really slick they were when it came to their field radios. They designed these field radios, and they were pretty rudimentary, maybe almost the equivalent of a regen or a direct conversion receiver and a one-tube transmitter. But in every socket was the same tube. So you used the same tube, and in the lid of the case, when you open it up, it was one tube, a spare tube. So the spare was good anywhere in that radio. So, I mean, they didn't have to worry about, gee, the tube, some tube went or the final one out. Well, you have a spare right in the lid. So I said, man, that's got to be really clever. So I actually designed a sideband transceiver using six AK-5s, <clears throat> and I got it pretty well working, but... There were still some problems, and then I think we moved uh, one of my job-related moves, and that, that problem got scrapped, and I think I gave it away to somebody that says, here, you can try to finish this. So the thought came to buying the 6BA6s in a tube-type transceiver, a 6BA6 in every socket. With 15 tubes, I probably got enough to do it. And uh, something that I tripped across, Bill, and this one will probably not have an SI5351 in it. What it's going to use is I have a spare PTO out of a Collins KWM1, and the tube is a 6BA6. Now this... You're, ladies and gentlemen, you, you've heard it here. Pete Giuliano is going to be using a PTO. Yes. But from Collins. But from Collins. So, 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 so I guess it's okay. It's okay. Now, something that I tripped over that I didn't realize existed, but I'm really excited about this. Now, the PTO operates in the... In the, like in the 75-meter band. That's one of the reasons why the KWM-1, because it came, came out of a KWM-1, was only 10, 15, and 20. But the PTO's in the 75-meter band. So I said, well, I probably need to heterodyne that, so how am I going to do it? And I'm thinking about crystals. What I didn't know 
is Ada Fruit Industries. Lady Ada sells the SI5351 board with the three clock outputs. Oh, yeah. But they also sell one that's called the Crystal Substitute Board that has a single output. It's a real small device, about eight bucks. So you can program that for a single frequency that'll replace a crystal. Lady Ada. Yeah. New York so City. Remember, we couldn't get crystals? Can't, right. Now can't you can go, get any kind of crystal you want. You can just program it and say, I want this frequency. So I'm thinking of getting one of those to be the part of the heterodyne circuit to put that three mega, that 75 meter, 3.5 megahertz PTO on other bands. 795. Oh, man, that's such a cool project. Yeah. 795. Not, not a, it's real, real teeny small and only has a single output on it. But you can now, if you need a crystal, uh, a highly precision crystal, there you go, Lady Ada. Man, that, that's such a great company. It's yeah. such a great operation that she has going on. I think it's on the, on, the, on the west side in New York. It's really nice. Yeah, boy, they got more stuff so, in there. Jeez, what a product line. They got stuff. They're, they're doing a lot of stuff with STEM. You know, the STEM product. They are. Yeah, just really exciting. And, so, it is good stuff. So anyway, I'm I'm thinking about hmm that ought to be that ought to be a pretty good project. And the the, the difficulty is what do you do with that PTO? How do you get it? And so I'm thinking where are you going to get crystals and everything else? So now you you get essentially a crystal, the oscillator and everything, seven ninety five. So you, it is going to have wow. some modern day electronics in it, but a little little different from just specifically SI fifty three fifty one. Then I'd like. Then our buddy, our buddy Grayson is going to be so happy to hear about this two project, Thermotron. <laughs> there project you go. There you Thermotrons. Go. Well, I I even consulted with him uh, a little bit on this. I said, you know, I have I've seen a lot of circuits for six, six BA sixes. I've seen them as BFOs. I've seen them as VFOs. I've seen them as IF amplifiers. Uh, I've seen them as mixers, but I've never seen them as a product detector balance modulator. And I asked him, "Have you run across that?" And he said, "Yeah." He said, you can, you can do that. So, uh, I mean, filling in the blanks might be some circuit development needed, but it'd be kind of cool to have a 20-meter single sideband transceiver, all six BA6s. There you go. Man, there you hey. go. That'll be, that'll, that'll be really, you know, that'll be really mind-blowing when you tell a guy at the other end about the homebrew rig. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then maybe I won't get in trouble with that group that didn't like my wireless set because it had a, what, it had the DigiDBFO on the front end. Remember that? They didn't like that? Uh, you remember you said, you said, hey, guys, take a look at this. Day. We're not going to look at it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that. Well, I, uh, I, 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 I quickly forget those groups. As soon as somebody tells me that it doesn't belong, I just... Well, okay, guys. Now, now, argue with the Collins KWM1PTO, okay? <laughs> <laughs> argue with that. So, so then that leads me to another thing is um, surprising bargains on, on eBay. Now, for... For about six days was listed a national NCX5 transceiver, and I, I happen to have one, a working one, and then a parts unit. So I just spotted it, but I'm I I didn't do it. The guy was trying to sell a, a complete complete rig. It was sort of disassembled in terms. He took the knobs off, some of the covers off, but all the parts were there. Thirty five dollars. He oh, couldn't man. get a taker. And it was like fifty-eight bucks worth of shipping. So, so less than a hundred bucks in your hands, an NCX5, and that that mechanical digital readout, built designed by Jimmy Millen, was was quite the thing. I mean, those things were. If you bought that radio today, it'd be four thousand bucks. Four thousand. We had thirty-five dollars. We, we had. We had a. 
Uh, we had so many boat anchors on sale at the Winterfest Ham Fest, and guys were walking right past them. A few years ago, these things would have been gone before the place opened. Yeah. The scavengers would have been out there beforehand. We had one one transmitter, one old transmitter that was selling for over $100. The guy buys it, and he says, but I'm going to do something, and you guys got to help me. And we, Okay, the, the guys from the club asked him what it was. He opened it up. He pulled out the two modulator tubes, just the tubes, not the iron, just the tubes. And he says, that's all I want. And he left. And he left the, the rest of the rig there. <laughs> Man. So what, what were the modulators, so, 807s or something like that? I forget what they were. I, for whatever it was, that he wanted just the modulator tubes. Wow. But uh, there's weird weird things happening in the boat anchor <laughs> yeah, world. Yeah. So. And Pete, you, you have made many recommendations to me over the last few years about stuff I should buy. And I almost always do it, but I'm running out of room here, so I didn't have room for the NCX5. But I, I, I'm, the, I'm the proud owner of at least six uh, uh, VFOs from the Yesu FT101. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have one from the... Uh, HT37. Uh, yeah, and, and, and one from the HT37 or the HT44, I'm not quite sure. And one from a, a TS520. Yes, Kenwood. Which is... Which is pretty cool and there so the, the guys think that they're selling you just a reduction drive but when it comes you realize that they've sent you the entire yeah. vfo box which is really so kind of fun. so here's the interesting part no takers he relisted it at 35 dollars. <laughs> so is it still there I, it was a day ago no, no well, bids. it won't be now because somebody somebody <laughs> listening to the podcast will go for it i mean the final <laughs> tubes alone will be worth the 35 bucks and he had every reason to believe all the tubes were good. So there you go. Filter. I mean, everything in there that you'd, you'd likely want. So uh, anyway, that kind of rounds up what I'm doing. I'm hope, hopeful of getting uh, more actual hardware onto the board. Yesterday, I cut an, an, another board for the audio amplifier stage. And uh, I just need to get some time to start putting some parts down. But one of the problems is, Bill, it's cold out here in the coast. The garage, you go out there in the morning, is like, 45 degrees 42 degrees uh, and there's no heat in there uh, and i say i'm not uh, going to solder <laughs> you know the, even, you want to you want to turn off the soldering iron just because it'll help heat up the yeah 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 <laughs> so as uh, we move into the spring i'm going to have more time out there and of course i got the caregivers that can sit with the x-whale so i don't feel like she's being cheated so someone's there to take care well, of that's, it. that's good you, you need a break so yeah i hope you get more chance to do that yeah. that's just terrific pete we're, we're running low on time we should do mail back yeah, here go and I'm going to put the uh, the link to your blog there. People should definitely visit. And I've got I've got a link to Gina's uh, show, and you've got it on your blog too, so we'll be able to find that. But hey, one of the one of the pieces of mail that we got, and I'm sure you got it too, was the latest Spret. The latest issue of Spret yes. has arrived in the mail, and really cool on the cover. Tony Tony Fishpool told me about this. He said one of those glue sticks is on the cover <laughs> and it's it actually belongs to lex papa hotel 2 lima bravo papa hotel lima bravo's lex of of sticker fame and of many other bits of fame his glue stick with 3d printed supports was on the cover of sprat magazine very very cool speaking of cover stories we got an email from a guy who's really an amazing home brewer will ki4pov Holy cow, this guy built some stuff. Yes. And he wrote to us a while back saying, like, what what should my first project be? I want to build an SSB transceiver. And we both kind of said, oh, no, he said he wanted to build a super hat. And we both said, 
hey, baby steps, you know, walk before PCR. you run, that kind of stuff. And he, and good thing he didn't listen to <laughs> us at all. He went and built a really beautiful... Uh, it's a trans receiver. Uh, trans receiver. Listen, don't try this at home, guys, because not all of you are going to be as skilled and talented as Will obviously is, but... But he put together some really great stuff, and you know, he I, I mentioned the the cover of cover of Sprat magazine. I put his picture. I got his picture off QRZ.com, and I put it up on the Solder Smoke blog. And he wrote back, and he says, "Man, I feel like I made the cover of Rolling Stone." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the old song, "The Thrill It'll Hit You When You Get Your Picture." Yeah, on the cover of uh, Solder Smoke blog. Yeah. Hey, uh, we've been get we got some really interesting email. This is this tells you where how far and wide the reach of Solder Smoke is. We got email from a guy named Sands. And the call sign he's living under now is Whiskey Kilo 9 Whiskey X-Ray. Holy cow. Willis Island. Willis Island is off the coast of Queensland in northern Australia. It's a weather outpost. And the idea is you sit out there on this island. I think it's like 400 miles, 500 miles off the coast. There's no population zero. There's no full-time population. But there's four or five people out there at the weather station. And it's it's a DXCC entity. <laughs> Holy cow! Talk about Beauvais and all that, man. These this thing could be really really rare. And 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 uh, and Sands is a ham, and he's out there. He was reading the solder smoke book while out there, and he has solder smoke mugs. Holy cow! It, it was like I was really blown away by this whole thing. I showed my wife pictures of the island, and she was she was really taken by the place. It looks really really nice. And she's she's an island girl, you know. She's from from Hispaniola, much bigger island, but but an islander nonetheless. So that was really cool to hear for, hear about. Yeah, Sam. He's, uh, I think he's. Go ahead. I was going to say, if you want to work him, he uses Ke Four Ee, who runs a net. So if you yeah. can check into Ke Four Ee's net, you have a chance to make a contract because they use this directed type of thing, so people just don't jump on him. Being a DX entity that's kind of controlled through that, so it's KE4EE down in Florida. Got a big signal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and I think his time on the island is is wrapping up. Yeah, so, about uh, another Willis month island, or two. I think he's going to be there. He's gonna heading back to Australia yeah. and the family, so he's out there on a four or five month uh, tour. So, but it was really cool to hear from Sands. That was really great. We've also been hearing from Andreas Delta Lima One Alpha Juliet Golf in Munich, Germany. And he's running a course sort of similar to what we've been doing, but his is called uh, Electronics for Biologists. He is a, uh, a PhD in, in biology. Works, I, I think he works, on, he works on neuroscience. And he has people working with him and for him who are uh, professional biologists. And he has organized a course on electronics for biologists. And they're building a direct conversion yeah, receiver. Yeah. So. Andreas has been letting us know about that. I, I let our students know about it here too. I said, you know, there are, there are people around the world doing the same kind of thing. And some of them are actually at a significantly higher educational level than you are. So don't feel alone. I, I mentioned Dean, uh, KK4DAS, and his homebrew 10-meter double sideband rig. He's been having, first of all, he had, he, had, he had a heck of a time getting it going right, but he finally got it and, and has, has come in right as the solar cycle is really kicking in, Pete. 10 meters is rocking and rolling, and uh, Dean is, is right there. He, every day he tells me he's working more exciting DX, so great stuff. And, he's learned to and, s and he was learning to speak Spanish because of Radio Marti, right? <laughs> <laughs> he and I were joking. This, is, this actually has more to do with the uh, direct conversion receiver project. Um, 
the the nemesis our nemesis is uh, the radio marti transmitter which is often at 7335 with i think like 200 kilowatts out of greenville north carolina so man it it is attacking the skirts on our g0 upl uh bandpass filter and crashing in and causing am detection in our beloved direct conversion receiver so we have been involved in a long-term effort to get rid of the signal not get rid of radio marti but get the signal out of our dc receivers but i was joking with dean that he's been even though he doesn't speak spanish that he's been listening to Radio Marti for so long that he's he's developed an undis- unex- inexplicable urge to liberate Havana. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Something's rubbing off. Yeah. There. We got we got um, we got some nice email from Jim W two U O who built a Michigan Mighty Might in in a beautiful. You saw yes. this thing. It was beautiful. Yes. It was it was nice. It was beautiful, and he made a contact with it. I mean, I don't think I ever made a contact with the Michigan Mighty Might. And I built lots of them. And I sent out like 45 crystals. And I never made a contact. He, he built one. He goes out. He makes a contact. So, I mean, fantastic stuff. And thanks for sharing that with us, uh, Jim. We heard, we heard from our old friend Dave, K-8WPE. And he was asking, what does the E stand for in I-B-E-W? Well, we know that it stands for electrical when you're talking about the union. But when you're talking about wizards, the International Brotherhood of Electronic Wizards, the IBEW. This this points out the need for new stickers. We need new stickers because the IBEW thing causes confusion. But also, the Brotherhood thing is a little bit kind of exclusionary, you know, because we, we do have more and more women involved in, in the hobby, and we don't want to make anybody feel excluded. So we need, we need new stickers and we need a new slogan. I've already kind of gotten rid of IBEW from the... Uh, um, from the blog, but uh, we we can use some new stickers. So creative minds get to work here. We need to we need to work on that. Got an email from uh, Bob KC4LB talking about s- surface mount components and how small they are. Indeed, even the big ones are really small. I'm with you, Bob. They're scary small. Uh, I'm stocking up on uh, on components with wires sticking out of them. I think I've got enough for the. Uh, for, for, for at least the, the next couple decades. If I can I interrupt you a second, a mystery. There's a mystery. Somebody has got me on their list. And let me tell you what. About a week ago, a box of three uh, three terminal voltage regulators, various sizes, show up from Amazon. Now, is that you that's been doing that? No, so, not so, me. So two days ago, a box with a 1,000... Five percent resistors <laughs> shows up from Amazon. <laughs> so, so, so there's Pete, Pete, Pete. The radio guys have spoken. <laughs> there's, there's, you, they're the ones who are sending this stuff to you. I don't know who it is, but next time make it capacitors. <laughs> <laughs> what do you need, Pete? Just say, what do you need? A PC board, four by six. PC board, sixteenth inch PC board. Sem one. They've got to be sem one. <laughs> yeah. None of this fiberglass stuff. Yeah, yeah, Go for yeah, the good yeah. stuff. But I, I don't know who it is. <laughs> and you oh, and capacitors. What point point one microfarad yes, bypass? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ceramics, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I, I don't know okay. who's doing this, but I mean, this is this was really weird because the. Box, I mean, you don't need a thousand of them. A so, you know, hundred so, of them would be so fine. The box of three terminal regulators shows up, and I said, 
gee, this is kind of cool. And they're all, you know, 3.3 volts, 5 volts, 6 volts, 8 volts. And they're the is one it from amp. Bojack? Bojack? Yeah, and they're one amp. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're one amp. So I was, I had a problem with uh, one of my uh, AC, uh, DC supplies, the Heathkit HP23. I actually have a 12-volt regulator on the uh, filament to run the relay, the relay in the radios. And it went out, and I said, where am I going to get a 12-volt regulator? And then the light bulb, and I said, you got a box. Sure enough, open up, got, open up the box. You just got a few of them here. Yeah. There it is. But I don't know who that is, but whoever it is, thank you. And send more. Yeah, send more. <laughs> Capacitors next time and PC board. <laughs> All right, really good. I, I got some nice email from an old buddy of the Solder Smoke podcast, Bruce, KK0S. And he, we were talking about the Herring Aid 5 board. Good to hear from you, Bruce. Uh, we got an email from Chuck, WB9KZY, relaying us a video that he came across on nuclear monopole res resonance. Nuclear monopole resonance. Now, you're going to say, what the heck is this and why should I watch it? Watch the video. I've got the link out to it on the blog. This guy makes a device that allows you, you have this little like jar and you put the substance in there and it tells you what the substance is. Like if you put Tylenol in there, it'll tell you that it's Tylenol, you know, because it's, it's taken advantage of the molecular resonance of the Tylenol molecule. It's like a spectrograph, the, huh? Yeah. The cool thing is he's got like... Um, He's got regular LC circuits and coils and stuff that we would recognize. And he uses one of your favorite devices, Pete, the Nano VNA. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So anyway, check it out. It's, it's, it's a cool thing. Alan, WA9IRS, wrote to us. And no kidding, he wants a, uh, a CW editor for his phone. I don't know, Alan. I don't know. You know, I don't know. If anybody knows one, let us know for, for Alan. Vic, WA4THR, he's also working on the UBIDX power out improvement. Talk to me, Vic. Four watts on 10 meters. I'm not happy. Listen, we got somebody to weigh in on this, the, 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 the semantic, the pronunciation controversy that has been developed, bedeviling us for so long, Pete. I'm talking about Kludge versus Kludge, of course. Tobias, he weighs in in favor of the correct pronunciation, kludge. And he says it has to be kludge as in fudge. Tony, Tony Fishpool, G4WIF, then notes that when he goes out and changes the oil in his car, you see, he often finds some sludge, not sludge. <laughs> So the case is building, and of course, we are in consultation on this matter with the official solder smoke lexicographer, Steve, KB3SII. Pete, we're going to just, I know, just, just, to, just to make you happy, I'm going to say the, 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 the case is still open here. We're not, no final decisions have been made. You may be right. It could be kludge. Kludge. Although I don't, I don't really think so. <laughs> okay, um, listen, <laughs> Walt, w, Walt, AJ6T wrote back, in response to comments I had made about uh, the declining operating uh, practices on, on CW, he said he attributes the change to an FCC ruling years ago that said that CW stations only had to give their call sign and they weren't required to give the call sign of the other station that they were talking to. And that's why when I would call CQ in the Dominican Republic, I would suddenly hear hear another call sign out there and I'd say, wait a second, is this guy calling me or... 
or not. When running 600 milliwatts is a good chance that he wasn't, but you know, you never know. So anyway, uh, thanks, thanks for that, Walt. And then finally, we got a really nice email from somebody uh, I hadn't heard from in a long time. It's Ramakrishnan. Ramakrishnan's old call sign was Victor Uniform 3 Radio Delta Delta. He's now VU2JXN. And he has joined from India, the Vienna Wireless Society and the Makers Group. And at first, I didn't recognize the new call sign. He is an old friend of Solder Smoke. He is the person who urged us to launch the Solder Smoke blog back in 2008. I had had it as a regular old web page. And he kind of wrote to me and said, Bill, why don't you do it as a blog? It's a lot faster, a lot easier, a lot more responsive. You'll have a lot more fun with it. And I did. I also looked, I just searched on his call sign through the Solder Smoke blog. And I, I found many, many entries where we were talking about Ramakrishnan, including one back in 2008 where he announced his daughter's birth. We, we, we said, you know, congratulations to Ramakrishnan and his wife because of the birth of their daughter. That daughter is now old enough to be building a direct conversion receiver. And Ramakrishnan is, is going to take up that kind of challenge with her. Farhan did the same thing with his niece. And so Ramakrishnan is going to be building a DC receiver with with her really fine business and great great to hear from you ramakrishnan and from everybody on the uh on the solder smoke blog here i'm just getting us back here so i can i'm I'm readjusting my screen here pete i'm back there you are cool all right pete we've been going on the the caretaker might be getting ready to leave we better we better wrap it up yeah you bet and uh seven threes from the love coast Hey, Pete, thanks very much for doing this. Uh, 7-3 from, from Northern Virginia, and, and talk to you soon. You bet. Bye-bye. 7-3, everybody. Bye-bye. Ooh, that's awesome. The Solder Smoke Podcast is produced once or twice a month using roadkill computers in an electronics workshop somewhere in the wilds of Northern Virginia. The podcast is available via iTunes and directly from our website, soldersmoke.com. Our blog, the Solder Smoke Daily News, is at soldersmoke.blogspot.com. Send email to soldersmoke, that's one word, at yahoo.com. Solder Smoke is listener-supported, and there are many ways you can help keep the podcast going. Please spread the word. Let your friends know about Solder Smoke, the podcast, and our blog. Put links to the podcast and the blog on your websites. Buy a copy of the critically acclaimed book, Solder Smoke, Global Adventures in Wireless Electronics, available from lulu.com.